When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome back to Was Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on this Monday afternoon, just gone midday Eastern. That, of course, is time for the call where we analyse 10 stocks that you suggest with two experts. We do it all in 60 minutes and uh, it's really terrific to have on the panel today, James Rosenberg from ELNC Bayview. James, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Rode the bike in today. Rode the Beautiful bike Beautiful weather. At the moment. Excellent. All right, and John Milroy from uh, Odd Minute is with us as well. Uh, John, you've had a, a busy couple of days. You, you guys underwrote the sizzle. We certainly uh, raised, didn't you? We certainly did, Which was a big one. Thank you for having us. Some $79 million at $5.30, which is moderately yeah. less than where they're trading today when I left the office at about $8.70. So Jeez. it's been a, a pretty successful and lots of happy clients. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of interest in it. Certainly was. I, th- I think it's been we've been part of the process since it was right. floated, so it's been a, a stock we've covered for some time. Yeah. But clearly, in that uh, hot as hot as anything, uh, yeah, wow, uh, by it now, is hot, pay is later, yeah. uh, space, but uh, very successful. Yeah. Well, talking about hot, another hot stock that's uh, on the market is our stock of the day. Before we get into your ten, I come up with uh, one that's making news this morning. Technology One is a favourite of the call and regarded as being one of our premier tech stocks. According to the Financial Review, GMT Research claims it uh, the stock it, or the company is allegedly using a couple of accounting tricks to pull forward revenue and profits. Uh, according to GMT, this is artificially creating growth and hiding a major slowdown. Shares are trading lower today. Um, the company itself has officially dismissed the claims and remains committed to the guidance provided at the start of this financial year. GMT Research, Hong Kong-based research company, has done a similar thing, put the heat on uh, Treasury Wine Estate in the past and also Simic, um, and got in and shorted uh, both of those stocks. So it looks as though they could be doing the same here. Um, John, what do you think of uh, of the report, first of all, and Technology One? Yeah, well, as you say, David, it's not the first time that this group has done something similar to other yep. companies listed here as well, of course. And, and they're right to go back and have a look at these accounting practices these businesses operate. We've seen yep. something similar in WiseTech as well, which has certainly put the stock under pressure yep. several times. Um, for us, it's a, it's a light and it's about a, a $9 price target. is about $7.30, so well above where, where right. that is at today. Certainly, unusually in this space, it actually makes uh, makes a profit, but does trade yeah. at very high multiples. So it's really a valuation yeah. reason for us yeah. while we're a bit cautious on it, more more so than the GMT concerns have been right. raised today. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, has there ever been an issue, a governance issue in terms of technology one or Cer- accounting practices? No, certainly not something that we've been raising yeah. or, or been discussing. It's been more around what's happening with the business inside the business as yeah. well, how they go about generating revenue. And they have done a really good job and have been a great performer in the market, of course. Yeah, it's been a fabulous business, mm, hasn't yeah. it? Uh, James? Do you this think is one of the one? highest quality companies we've got listed in the mm. market and some of the most trustworthy management. They've got a phenomenally uh, robust history of steady earnings growth Never been a hint of scandal about them. Yep. We talked about the company oh, about a month ago, yep. and uh, I think I said at the time that I love the company and hate the share price. Yep. <laughs> now, now, when it's really expensive like that, I yep. wouldn't, but I get yep. why people might want to short it. Right. To then go to the next step and write a report which is damaging to the share price hmm. um, is remains to be seen whether it's accurate. I would doubt it myself. Right. But from the point of view of a long-standing shareholder who loves the company, who'd love to buy more, but can't get his head around the price at the moment, bring it on. Write all the reports you want. Get the share price down, and um, I'll I'll fill my boots. But but it's quite an anarchy claim, isn't it? Because, as you say, if you want to short the the stock and say, 
uh, it's overvalued, uh, and it's, uh, the multiples are too high. That's one thing. Mm. But to sort of cast aspersions well, on, game. on, on the governance game, issues. And this is a report that no one's seen. Right. Um, the company hasn't seen. Yep. They had a half hour conversation with the company, didn't check any of their, um, the substance of yep. the report, and yep. haven't sent a report to the company. Yep. So my view yep. would be I'm happy to back the company. Right. Um, there's, I'm not saying it's not true, I don't know. I haven't seen the report, they haven't published it. They've always seen there's a few leaks to the press. Right. Um, but um, there's been a number of cases. Credit Corp was, a, was one that was under attack from a short seller with completely baseless yep. um, allegations uh, maybe a year or so ago. And that was very damaging to the share price. Yep which was very profitable for, um, yeah. for, for those who, uh, who took the opportunity. And because they're offshore groups, the Securities Commission yep. sort of can't get stuck into them, can it's they? A, look, it's a problem. It's right. a, but you know, you're not going to solve all the world's problems now. No. From my point of view, as, as I said earlier, bring it on. I've got right. a lot of clients in the stock. Not one of them will be concerned by this. Yep. Not one of them, if the shares are lower, you know, no one's going to lose any sleep. Right. If mm. the shares are dramatically lower, they'll be rubbing their hands with glee. Right, okay. So from what you're saying, well-run company, still a well-run company, got a history of good governance, share price is too high on the, on the multiple. That's not the company's fault. No, no, exactly right. But good company. Yep, agree. Okay, yeah. and sort of if there is a, a big pullback on it. Please. Top up, please. Okay. Mm. And for right. anyone listening, <laughs> no. You don't All want right. to run it. All right, that's a really good analysis hmm. on technology one. Let's take a look at your 10 stocks. And you're watching The Call, and today with James Rosenberg from ELNC Bayview and John Milroy from Ord Minute, and let's get into the first of your stocks that you've suggested. Uh, Alex, um, thank you for your suggestion. Fortescue Metals Group, uh, Andrew Forrest, giant iron ore miner, basically a pure iron ore resource stock uh, play into the market. Um, John, it's been a remarkable success story for Andrew Forrest. He, he, he bet the house on this yep. and it's just gone gangbusters. Well, uh, without word of a pun, more power to him, of course, more yeah. power being the previous CEO. <laughs> but um, certainly they've done a great business, great yeah. job building this business up. It's a terrific um, outfit, really profitable, done a great job on costs, re reducing the the, the debt on the balance sheet, of course, over the course of the last several years, down to yeah. nearly, nearly not very much, um, and have got a, a really um, a, a great uh, profit to report upcoming next month, and of course the quarterly next week, I think it is, don't yeah. you? So okay. you'd expect a really good outcome from them, given the production numbers right. we've seen most recently. Right. At $15, is it a good buy? Oh, I think it's a bit bit tough to buy it as a, as a new shareholder up here. I'd expect that um, you know, you'd probably be averaging up a bit if you were already in the, in the right. stock. But, yeah. but for us, we generally like the sector as, a, as, a, as it stands across the, the big three, be it right. Rio and Fortescue. But, right. but certainly Fortescue, well run, great business, great product. Right. Very okay. profitable. All right. James? I broadly agree. You have to yep. sit back and admire what Andrew Forrest and his team have done. Yep. It's absolutely phenomenal. And as John says, they've dramatically got costs down. They've got their debt down to, I think it's around 40% debt to equity, um, which is manageable. Yeah. Um, to buy into a uh, resource company, you've got to have a um, positive view on whatever commodity Where or the commodities, commodities they are. Yep. Now, um, iron ore has been a lot tighter than we had forecast, but we're still thinking that from next year, when the Brazilians uh, start to ramp up their production yeah. again, that supply will overtake demand for the first time in a number of years. We're not forecasting the price of iron ore to collapse or anything like that, right. but we are forecasting a little bit of softening. And so for me, I wouldn't be buying Fortescue right. at the moment. Because in Brazil, they have this, uh, which a lot of, um, average investors may not know about this mine called Vale, don't they? Which produces is it a third of the world's yeah, yeah. iron Biggest ore? Biggest producer in the world, yes, and, and much higher quality finds than right. uh, we get in Australia. Ah, okay, but the trade-off is the shipping costs to the big market, particularly China, right. is uh, substantially higher. So right. we've got a little bit of a competitive yeah. advantage in Australia. Yeah, and I was reading figures, John, was it last week, last month, for the first time we did fifty million tons. In a month yep. of iron ore? 
I've I've sort of added the two. I added the two zeros on the end for a hundred dollars a ton, thinking. Bloody hell, that's a lot of money for a trade surplus, isn't it? Well, it really <laughs> is. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. There's no one happier about it than Josh Fry. Oh, no, that's um, right. But look, it's a it's a staggering figures. I know Western Australia's a big state, but it's a fair chunk of it oh, yeah, every month. Amazing, well, they've all driven their price per tonne down below about $10 a tonne to produce it and actually get it extra shipping costs across to China. As James rightly says, it's more expensive from Brazil to right. China. But still, you're right, 50 million tonnes at... Take, so, out, take out $10 of the current price, $115 today. So, serious time. money, isn't it? So Fortescue is sort of slightly lower quality than a lot of yeah. other mines, yes. isn't it? But, so, but still good. So, they so if they're doing the a $10... Prices. Right. If they're doing $10 a tonne, mm. they're making 90 bucks a tonne just chucking it on a ship. Yep. Well, there was a time when they Profit. were... Profit. Yes, correct. There was, was a, a, a big difference in the price, price what they got for the discount for that lower quality yeah. from the 62% benchmark if they were getting something like a low 50s, mid 50s type right. But now they've blended it together um, and they've got some other parts oh. of their mine which they're now accessing, which gives them a higher quality. But you're absolutely right. It's a, yeah. it's a big number. Yeah. And who, were, who would have thought um, if you wanted to go for good dividend payers, <laughs> you'd go to an iron ore producer rather than a bank these days. <laughs> Indeed. A big four Indeed. bank, <clears throat> yes. which is the other attraction of it. Mm. So uh, like the company, share price a bit high where the... Uh, where the commodity cycle for iron ore is actually going. So uh, thank you for the suggestion, Alex. Next one uh, from Joyce. Uh, Joyce wants a Beyond Vol, uh, Volpara Health Technologies, um, another one of our, our terrific little medtech companies. It's a, it's a health company um, really specialising in the early detection of breast cancer by improving the quality of, of the streaming through artificial intelligence. It really is, um, James, a great technology. Isn't Fantastic it? technology. Yeah. It really is impressive, and it's highly personalised as well. So they look at things like the breast density, um, oh. to um, uh, it, it computerises the density for how much of a dose you get of um, an X-ray. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not a radiologist, but yeah. I know these things are pretty risky. Yeah. So it, it's it's fantastic technology. They've been listed since 2016. Um, they haven't made a profit as yet. And as you know, I like companies mm. not only that are profitable, but a history of, yeah. of profitability. Um, they've raised capital every year they've been listed. In fact, they've uh, shares on issue have gone from 63 million to 218 million. That doesn't inspire a hell of a lot of confidence, I have to mm. say. Um, it's a wonderful technology. I really, yeah. really hope that this company is successful and profitable and around for a long time because if they can solve you know, that significant killer in yeah. half the population, or well, more than half actually, because yeah. men can get it as well, yeah. um, wonderful. But on the financial, uh, I couldn't buy it. Yeah, okay. It's an so they are making some inroads into the US, aren't they? I think they've done some announcements on US hospitals adopting yes. it and the like, but <clears> that's always a long road, isn't it? Absolutely. As James says, it's, you know, it's a long-term story for them. Just recently raised money back in uh, May, I think it was, as yep. well. Certainly gives them plenty of headroom in the balance sheet, which is yep. something we like, and some room to make further acquisitions as well, which, which certainly adds to that roll-up story and, and also going into newer markets as well. Yeah. For us, it's an exciting hold, David. You right. know, it's, it's really um, probably more around the fact that you know, there's some difficulties with what's happening with COVID in the same way that it's happening with the likes of Sonic as well and how right. people get to, to utilise the services as well. But, right. but you know, it's a great business. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, a hold from, uh, from John there and uh, a no from James at this stage until it makes more profits or, or gets profitable. Um, so thank you for that, Joyce. Um, John Charlie is asking for an opinion on Northern Star Resources, one of our, our big, sort of a tier one gold miner here in Australia, mm. isn't it? Has significant interest in Western Australia, now has a share of the big pit in Kalgoorlie as well. That's right. So, yeah, it's certainly really interesting the amount of interest that's been around for all the Australian gold stocks. I mean, yep. they really are very significant in the in the global index these days, and they, and they are um, mostly, you know, very profitable, of course, given where the uh, US dollar price of um, gold is, and of yep. course where the Aussie dollar is. So it's, it's it's certainly a very impressive profit margin again, the same way that Fortescue is too, in terms of what they're doing with their costs. Yep. But for us, post the most recent quarterly, you know, we've probably gone a bit uh, a bit softer on it, given the, the stock price rally as part of it, and also perhaps a bit of disappointment around the most recent numbers they've, they've given us. Right. Uh, what production numbers? Production numbers. Like the quarterly okay. was out last week, I think it was. Right. Um, so probably just a bit disappointing around um, for us. Okay, James. 
I generally don't like mining stocks because they're highly capital intensive and they've got no control over their price. Yeah. Um, however, this company is um, very, very uh, well managed. Uh, they're innovative. Um, think bring things like using uh, some of the technology that oil miners use to oh. oil explorers use um, into the gold sector. So they've been a lot more successful in their exploration than many of their peers. It's just one little example. Um, it's got a history of profit growth. It's got no debt. Uh, return on equity 14%, which is pretty good in that sector. Mm. Pretty good in anything, but, yeah. but in, in that sector. Um, it's not cheap. It, it is, uh, gold's been on a tear. To buy <laughs> uh, Northern Star, you have to be a believer that gold will continue to. Uh, yeah. Warren Edney, ELNC Values uh, Resource Analyst, is positive on gold and is positive on this name. Um, from my point of view, I, I, I still think it's a little bit expensive. Uh, I tend not to like gold miners. If I had to buy one anywhere in the world, that'd be the one I'd buy. Oh, okay. So it's at the top of the list on for gold miners. Mm. What about you, John? Um, if you were looking at, are you averse to the whole sector, the gold mining sector at the moment, or just Northern Star? Not, probably more just the stock specific, David, I think okay. around Northern Star. I mean, I think it's a lighten for us as an official right. recommendation, but um, I think you'd have to look back at the higher quality businesses, the likes of Evolution, of course, I think, right. which has got a great management team, had a, a terrific right. job in terms of delivering you know, production targets. Newcrest, you know, thankfully has gone past all of those terrible quarterlies where they missed and missed and missed and missed. For, for the moment. For the moment, but um, whoa, but, that's a bit. Uh, <laughs> failure bit is in skeptic? their DNA, David. Yeah. It has been right. for decades. Oh. Well, it's, it's difficult oh. because they operate in such skinny margins around recovery rates, I and mean, right. they're getting you know, low single-digit type um, grade recoveries. Yeah. So it's yeah. if something goes wrong, it goes wrong in a bad way. But right. they have done a good job um, right. most recently in probably several quarters. So, in the uh, gold sector, evolutions a better play for you than Cer the certainly, f certainly from my perspective, I would think right. that's that's one. Okay. Do you like evolution as well, or do you still prefer Northern Star? I prefer Northern Star. Right, okay. All right, some good suggestions there, boys, Charlie. Thank you for sending that through. Um, our fourth stock has been suggested by Andrew, another sort of medical device company as well, CompuMedics. Um, it's in, the, in that whole sleep area and diagnostics of, of brains and um, uh, blood flow monitoring through your head, that sort of thing. I, I don't really know the uh, the details <laughs> of the technology, but John, what do you think of CompuMedics? I think I'd have to take your word for it on that one, yeah. David. <laughs> it's it's not one we've looked at closely. We don't we certainly don't research it as well, but right. um, which is, makes it difficult to make too many comments around the stock. Yeah. But but clearly, you know these these technology stories around like uh, Volpara, of course, you know, become interesting to subsectors of the market. Um, so I, I can't really give you too much recommendation on it. Yeah, right. and it's just bubbling along, James, isn't it, when you look at the charts? Similar to John, we don't cover the stock, so right. I don't know a lot about it. But for a company with a market cap of less than $80 million, they've got a lot on their plate. Sleep apnea, neurology diagnostics, laboratory management systems, brain research. Yeah. It's a lot going on yeah. for a pretty small company. Yeah. Uh, they have been profitable, been profitable since uh, 2014, and mm. earnings are growing, so you know clearly oh, that's, that's a good, good. sign. Um, 23 times earnings, it doesn't seem expensive, yep. uh, but I don't know enough about the company, I'm afraid, Andrew, to um, yep. to and give you a definitive view on it. And I suppose when uh, when anyone talks about sort of sleep and all that sort of stuff, they they immediately think, oh, well, is this a baby resmed going <laughs> forward or <laughs> is this sort of someone in that space that I can hold on to the coattails. That can be dangerous at times. It can too, be dangerous. It? it can be dangerous. If you want to be in that space, ResMed or uh, Fisher and Pikel Healthcare are by yeah. far and away the best players, yeah. but they're just expensive. Yeah. Fisher and Pikel Healthcare particularly expensive because they're also doing respirators. So right. they're booming at the moment. <laughs> they um, had a phenomenally good result and they probably will um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Even when COVID's over, they've got a fantastic business, but yeah. you just be patient. It's too expensive at yeah. the moment. I own it. Yeah. I love it. I'd love to buy more, but right. um, not at these levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John, that's, you know, you can get sort of average investors caught up by the story, can't you? Mm. As, uh, you know, whether it's trying to find a baby A2 milk or a baby whatever, a baby resmed. Um, 
often it's just better to go with the market leader, isn't it? It's certainly sometimes I think you know that, that, that's the case, particularly in these businesses, because it does take, as James alludes, so long to get from yeah. the, the concept stage and having you know, Compumedics making money, which is certainly yeah. a positive, yeah. but a lot on their plate. You know, getting to the next stage or getting to a big market cap stock or having some success commercially and winning lots of market share and yeah. all those sort of things you hope for them, yeah. um, that does take some time, takes a lot of patience. Yeah, it's a a lot, a lot in the timing with mm. those sorts of stocks, mm. isn't yep. it? All right, Andrew, thank you for the suggestion, though. Um, our fifth stock today is CML Group, uh, suggested by Tim. It's in debt of financing. Um, by the look of it as well, um, for that small business community, um, it's Scottish Pacific, uh, looking to acquire it at one stage, mm. um, and, and recently... Um, pulled out, and as a result, CML share prices has been weaker a bit. Um, CML, job. I think generally those factoring businesses are yeah. something very interesting and also a growing space too. Sure. Uh, and I think yeah. certainly given what's happened with the banks perhaps stepping back from some of those more difficult ends of the lending market, those small and medium enterprise businesses, the, these businesses find uh, you know willing, willing places to lend money to and willing people to invest back in the types of yeah. offerings they have. Again, it's not one we, we cover, David, sadly, but, yeah. but it is an interesting space and I think that you know, there will be some success and, and certainly, as you mentioned, Scottish Pacific, factoring and all those sort of things are, are really interesting places to look yeah. at. James? Again, it's not one that we cover. It's not one that I, it's been on my radar. Um, financial management, payroll systems, equipment financing and the like. Yeah. Um, it's profitable. Um, last year was the best on record. Revenue, uh, revenue, but, but revenue's been flat for four years. So yeah. um, you know, it's not inspiring. Um, seven times last year's earnings, it certainly looks cheap. Yeah. But um, I just don't know enough about it, Tim, I'm afraid to. Yeah. have a definitive um, view. There are a few similar groups in that um, invoice financing area that are, are listed on the market as well, isn't it? Seems to be um, not a hotspot, but seems to have attracted a it's number a, of... It's a nice little niche niche part of the market that's, um, that can be quite profitable. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not one that's on the radar. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, there you go, Tim. So uh, an opinion there on CML. That's our our first five stocks. Just to uh, to recap, uh, technology one because uh, our stock of the day because it's been uh, really in the news today because of that uh, report from an overseas research house questioning some of the government governance. Uh, both uh, John and James like the company. It's highly regarded on the market. Has no history of um, uh, inappropriate governance issues. Um, uh, the share price is too high a multiple. If it comes back and these guys from overseas who are short selling the stock and it comes down, both James and John are pretty happy to pick, pick up some more stock. So, uh, um, but as, as we said at the time, um, these, these raiders, if you like, from overseas, because they do it, they're based offshore, our Securities and Investment Commission really have no jurisdiction over them. So sometimes they're, they're allowed to get away with murder. So don't believe all that you read. Um, first stock suggested by you, Fortescue. Uh, great company, but a big share price at the moment. So it's a no from both John and James uh, because the commodity price for iron ores is you know, really high at the moment and that could change uh, with the, the global economic recession and Brazil coming back on stream. Uh, Volpara, a hold from John, a no from James. Uh, James would like to see them turning a profit first. Uh, Northern Star, a no because of the share price um, at, and the heights of it at the moment. Um, James likes it as a stock in the gold mining area. Uh, John prefers evolution. Uh, Compumedics uh, are no, um, um, none of us really understand it in depth, so get your own advice on that if you want to take it further, and a no for CML as well. Um, just a bit of a programming update, cybercrime can impact all parts of your uh, portfolio, investment portfolio. Uh, just look at beverage giant Lion, who was hacked earlier this year. So find out where you're exposed and what to do about it this afternoon on The Pulse when we're joined by Chief Executive of Cyber, Michelle Price. That's only on Ausbiz at 1.30 this afternoon, just after the call.
All right, let's uh, go to the second half of uh, your suggestions. And um, um, James, one of our, our big insurance groups, uh, our biggest general insurance group, uh, IAG, Insurance Australia Group, the old rebranded NRMA, has NRMA Insurance, SGIO, SGIC, a whole bunch of different brands, don't they? They do. Um, David, um, there's a lot of positives and negatives in this sector, particularly through COVID. Yep. You'd imagine it's going to be pretty difficult to win new customers. It's going to be particularly difficult to be moving customers into the higher premium products. Um, investment returns clearly going to be pretty poor, you'd imagine. So in general insurers go and collect everyone's premium, sit on the money until we prang our car or whatever it is and yep. then pay it out. And they go and invest that money in the meantime. Most of it's invested in cash, which is earning five-eighths of very little. Um, so, you know, investment returns are going to be pretty low. Right. The, the yin to the yang is that uh, claims you'd imagine will be low. With a lot of people working from home, workplace claims will be lower. Burglaries will be lower because we're all at home. It's harder yep. to burl when someone's there. Yep. A lot less cars on the road, so less uh, traffic accidents, notwithstanding the idiot P-plater who uh, <laughs> turned in front of my <coughs> motorbike on my way in, put the heart rate up a bit. Right. Uh, but generally speaking, um, the, the, you know, there's positives and negatives with it. Yep. When you look at the company over the long term, um, biggest part of Berkshire Hathaway is the insurance business. And uh, Warren Buffett had any insurance company in the region that he could invest in, and he chose this one. Mm. He's got, uh, I think it's about three or four, a little under 4% of the register. Right. Uh, that's a big vote of confidence. Um, valuations not demanding at present. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable to be buying it. Okay, uh, because the share price has dropped a lot from its peaks as well, hasn't it? John, what do you think? Yeah, a bit like James, really. I think that, um, you know, happy to, happy to keep looking at the stock at these sort of prices. QBE would probably be the one that would win our hearts more so than um, IAG um, versus um, where, where it has been trading. Um, IAG specifically though, you know, premium rates are, 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 are static, but they are getting better, better, rate, better um, returns from having um, some better reinsurance outcomes as well. So right. that's been helpful for margins too. So right. um, not demanding in terms of multiples, yeah. looks reasonable at these sort yeah. of prices. Because a lot of people might not realise, as James was saying, that uh, the way these insurance companies who make money, they take a premium, then they they invest it on markets and pay it out when you need it, but hopefully they've made a decent enough profit on the investments to actually yep. flow to their bottom line. So when cash is so cheap at the moment, interest rates are down, mm. does that affect their profit margins or, or do they say, oh, we'll go and invest in the share market instead? Well, it's more about the bond bond market as well, where they right. put the, the bulk of their money. They do have obviously some equities in, involved in the, that yeah. part of the portfolio, but bonds rates, as you well know, are so low. Yeah. Of course, that yeah. return is very very difficult indeed. Yeah. They have had a pretty tough you know six months to to now still, of course, of the bushfires throughout the back end of last year and oh, the yeah. early part of this year yeah. too. So they're still working through some of that and having called back some of that reinsurance too. But but still, you'd expect them to see a decent profit when they report okay. come the June 30 numbers in August. things like the bushfires do create a short-term mm. um, hit to earnings, but it, probably a longer-term posit positive. Number one is it reinforces the need to have insurance. Yep. Yep. Number two is they can put their premiums up. Yep. Yep. Um, so you have to look at that. In terms of the cash they're sitting on, I know there's been a lot of press recently about the underperformance of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, yeah. uh, which I mentioned earlier, against the S&P 500. I, I think it's a very short-term view on it. Um, he's built a phenomenal business in Geico Insurance, and the big marketing point they have is that they, whatever happens in the world, we've got the money. Yeah. So if there's a number of major disasters in the world and a financial crisis and all that sort of thing, if you want to insure with someone who you've got a high degree of confidence, they're going to pay you if you have yep. an accident or whatever it is that you need to claim on. Um, so he's always going to sit on more cash than uh, than um, it's successful against a, a broader market, the right. cash component. Right. Uh, but from a marketing point of view for his insurance business, absolutely fantastic. Mm. Of course, cash is earning so little, so yeah. he's getting yeah, very yeah. little on it. But but he's playing a very long game, as he always has. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. as a, it doesn't faze me. Yep. Um, what do you like QBE? 
Principally the reason is partly what James touched on with IAG in terms of the improved premiums they're getting throughout their business as well, and right. again, the higher margins too. Still, the, the same thing for them is that you know, until interest rates start rising, you won't see that big uplift to profits they've always had in the past, yeah. Oh, yeah. distant past. Mm. And um, I think it's more about um, the fact that they're such a global business as well. There's some currency impacts too. You know, there right. has been an improved take up, as James says, with what's been happening in the last 12 months. Mm. Okay. Um, it's really about margins, I think, David. Right. Is QBO on your yeah. radar as well? Look, I'd prefer Either to have IAG, but right. Yep. Okay. All right. There you go. Thank you for that uh, suggestion, Linda. Really appreciate it. Um, our next stock is Freehill Mining. Um, they've just raised some money. Uh, recently as well, um, had a big backing from uh, one particular investor. Um, they're a magnetite explorer, a few sort of interests around uh, the thing. They have an interest in uh, the El Dorado project in, in <laughs> Chile. I don't know whether that's good or not, but if you mention El Dorado, sort of things come out of Hollywood movies and you go, oh, gee, that must be good. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of Freehill Mining? Not really, haven't really spent a lot of time looking at it, David, I'm afraid. Right. But but I think generally those those junior miners, you know, it's, life can be re really tough right. for them. Again, the same sort of story around the, the developing medical companies and, and technology companies too, um, pharmaceutical companies. You know, there's a lot, they spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to get the El Dorados yeah. in the world up and running and in production and, and turning a dollar. So. It's a difficult space, not one I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, right. those, those penny, you know, smaller end of the market. And it's a real, as you can see there, um, a really junior miner. James? I spoke before I don't like mining companies yep. generally uh, because of their capital intensity. This one's an explorer in Chile. Um, it's not profitable, never has been. It's had numerous capital raisings. So, uh, Jock, unless you know something or you think you know something, um, <laughs> if you want to have a rough punt, um, I would prefer to be doing it at the footy of the races. At least you can scream at right. the telly while you lose your money. <laughs> have you, because it's gone nowhere for a number of years, has it, hasn't it? How does it, how does it keep raising money? How do companies, stocks like this? Maybe it's the greater fool theory. Keep, I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit of a bit of um, well, it probably points to some strength of management in terms of getting back in front of investors all the time, getting right. the story told, getting getting some support through, you know, long-standing, perhaps long-suffering yeah. um, shareholders as well. But it is yeah. a very long process, and you have to raise. Yeah. This, that's that's part of the playbook, isn't it? You know, these, these yeah. junior-end stocks raise money, develop the next project, roll it out the next phase, next development phase, the next application for whatever it might be in Chile. Yeah. But it's a it's a long long process. Yeah, and because it's overseas. Is that a red flag as well? When it's uh, Chile's not really exotic. It's not like being in Mozambique or somewhere like that, I suppose. But yeah, I prefer to be in Australia still. I yeah. think, and from my perspective, I'm spending my dollar on something called Freehill. Right. I, I think yeah. that I'd rather they had a resource here. But Chile has a, a long history and, and a great geology as well, yeah. through the likes of some of the, the companies here too, yeah. um, already there. Um, I, I think you know, not red flag so much as it's yeah. difficult operating. It's a different environment to operate here. Probably yeah. a bit more expensive in terms of you know what might happen in terms of getting equipment there, getting people paying for those sorts of things. Right, okay. All As right. I said, you'd want to know something. Yeah. And yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd need to be close to the stock. All right. Um, thank you for that. Who said, who sent that through? Jock. Appreciate it. Um, Rob has <coughs> suggested our next stock, uh, James Tesserent. Um, it's Australia's largest um, listed cyber security provider. Um, it um, is getting into the, there's an announcement last month of teaming up with an agreement to get into the defence industry security programs that Scott Morrison has been sort of very vocal in saying he's going to spend a couple of hundred billion dollars on uh, increasing um, cyber security protections, not only in the, in the public arena and corporate arena, but also in defence as well. Yep, security is internet security as a service, firewall management, email and internet security. Um, it's clearly a growth area. Um, but this company's not um, profitable at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure what their competitive advantage is. Um, I, I, I don't follow it. Yeah. Um, look, uh, Rob, if you can work out what their competitive advantage is and if you're a yeah. believer, um, go and buy it, but yeah. I wouldn't. Um, again, this story of cyber security can be attractive, but what 
What you're saying we've always got to keep in mind as well is that, um, yes, it's a sexy sort of thematic um, at the moment, but you've got to understand what exactly their product does and does anyone else do it? <laughs> There's a lot of gunner companies out there in yeah. every sector, gonna do this, gonna do that. Um, I'd prefer to be investing in the ones that do do it and yeah. continue and um, do it over long term. Um, it's not to say that this one can't, right? Um, but you know, I'm pretty conservative. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it um, unless I had a really good understanding of what their competitive advantage is. I've had a look for you, Rob. I can't find it. Right. Okay. So a similar story for us. Really, we don't research it, so it's hard to give a recommendation for yeah. Rob today on that this sort of stock. But you're right; it's in the absolutely right space. You know, they, their competitive advantage. I understand it is they're on the list to be approved, have been approved to be mm. one of the suppliers to the to the various um, yeah. governments in the Five Eyes arrangement to take part of, to to collect some of that money that Scott Morrison's talking about throwing yeah. at it. So yeah. they only have to get a very small amount of some of those those billions of dollars to make to, a really to, big to difference. Make, to make, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Um, they're, they're well known. I can't think <coughs> of another stock listed that does something similar. So it's certainly pretty unique in that respect. Yeah, yeah. But but it's you know it's a hot topic, and, and I'm, like James, you know, finding yeah. finding some earnings and revenue reasons why you buy it is really just over and above what you see in the headlines. I think. Yeah, yeah. And if there is a a push, we've got with Trump at the moment. We've got Morrison, uh, Scott Morrison, sort of saying, sort of post pandemic, it's got to be a scarier world. Um, with some mm. sort of um, aggressive issues with our trading mm. partners yep. in Asia and protection. Um, do your analysts then go in and look at the stocks who that might be uh, benefit from a, a government refocus on <coughs> on defence spending, whether it be physical or whether it be cyber, uh, like Austel would have to be one. Yeah, like yeah certainly the shipbuilder is yeah. like one that we follow yeah. quite closely, one we, we quite like, and mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting a, a beneficiary of the, the big spend in terms of the, the navies around the world, yeah. particularly the US, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tessa you know, certainly is, is an interesting yeah. thing to look at, but again, yeah. hard to, to recommend. Yeah. Do, you, do you follow those themes as well, sort of? Oh, I think it's Austell. Because they got an Amer American government contract I think last <coughs> week, and yes. I think they got um, an Australian one as well. Yes. I think as well yes. for frigates, didn't they? Yep. Those literal combat ships. Yeah. Um, yep. And they make uh, very um, you know, big ferries, car carrying ferries and things. Mm. And, but yeah, no, I, I quite like it. Yep. Um, okay. All right, Rob. There you go. Uh, good, good sector, if you like, but you really need to, uh, to focus on the companies involved. Um, our... <clears throat> Our ninth stock is uh, Money Me, um, an Australian-based lending company, specialises in a whole range of, uh, of personal loans. One of these sort of um, new players in the market that, that gives fast and simple access to credit if you get annoyed with your bank, I suppose, James, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah, is it's the market digital consumer credit, yeah. so you'd imagine it's very low cost. Um, Short-term loans up to $35,000 hasn't been around long enough to uh, prove themselves. There's, there's yeah. no record. There's some really good players in the sector like Credit Corp and uh, yeah. Money Free. Yeah. Um, I'm not negative on the name, but I'd prefer to buy companies with a bit of history. Yeah, okay. Um, Credit Corp is a bit of a, a favourite of, of the call here as well. A lot oh, it's of people a wonderful like company. Sure. Management are absolutely terrific. They have got two arms of their business. One is their consumer lending. Um, yeah. The other is they purchase debt ledgers, uh, distressed debt ledgers, yeah. widely thought, they've never disclosed it for competitive reasons, but widely yeah. thought to be about 15 cents in the dollar. So that's from telcos and um, electricity and yeah. you know all sorts of distressed debt. Yeah. Um, and they have the absolute upper end of um, consumer advocacy in the way they they operate, and we're not yeah. talking, you know, bikers with baseball <laughs> bats. Stand over, stand over yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got a funny story about that off air. Um, but they have um, uh, been very, very successful. Yeah. They're two major competitors in Australia are under all sorts of pressure, so mm. they're going to be out of the purchasing market at the moment. So yeah. that's a clear competitive advantage for Credit Corp. In their lending arm, which is more similar to Money Me, yeah. um, They've got a database of a million people they won't lend wow. to. Uh, wow. With, with uh, privacy laws, you can't get information terribly, as much information as you want as a creditor yeah. for 
um, your um, potential borrowers. Yeah. Uh, but when you've got it in in your own business, it's a I think it's a million people they won't lend to. So that's okay. a huge competitive advantage. A million people that presumably they put the line through that they're not going to lose money from. Right. Um, it's not to say they can't lose money from the ones they have, but it's a which gives is you a lot more confidence. I know, which is important in this environment, going into a recession, Absolutely. isn't it? That these sorts of companies have their, their own intelligence, if you like, on things going forward. Did put out a... Um, Trading update today. An update today. There's going to be a few impairments, aren't there, against their, yep. their book because of COVID. Yep, which um, there always will be. Yep. Um, but because uh, that's the nature of the business. But yep. overall, it was quite a positive update. Um, I think the shares were up about 4 or 5%. Post the uh, right. w w when it reopened this morning, so right. yeah, overall I thought it was more positives than negatives. Right. Um, Money three I mentioned also, um, which is again a small lender. You'd imagine with rising unemployment that they would be um, th it would be more difficult for them for collections. Yeah. The biggest employer in their um, customer base is Coles, and the second yeah. biggest is Woolworths. Oh. So, um, you know, these are companies that aren't putting off staff yeah, and the exactly. more we're uh, locked down, particularly in, um, you know, a bit freer in, in the first world, if you're in Victoria, you're, um, you're locked down for a little bit more, um, you're going to be shopping at Coldsworth. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, you know, that's, uh, I suppose the, the lesson out of that from James is really looking at where these companies lend and the databases they've got because, you know, if they're, they're skewed towards woolly... Woolies and Coles employees, that's a significant issue. David, it goes back to what I was saying about some of those other companies that aren't yeah. on the radar. You really want to understand them. You've yeah. got to understand what makes their customers tick, um, you know, how their customers are, um, are motivated. Um, to be able to go into pretty much any company, you, you, you need to be aware of that level of detail. Otherwise, as I mentioned earlier, it's just a rough punt. Yeah. John, what do you think of, um, of MoneyMe? Yeah, MoneyMe is a, a buy for us, David. We've got a price right. target around $1.53. Um, it's a relative okay. newcomer right. to the market, um, yep. as James rightly says. At the smaller end of the, this sort of lending, um, this quite different types of lending for consumers. Yep. Um, certainly um, currently tracking, as they were, um, ahead of prospectus forecast for the full year. It'd be interesting to see what they report, you know, post the, uh, the June 30 numbers, right. of course. But um, again, it's, it's hard to... For me and my clients, it's not what I'm buying, but but yeah. certainly from us as a, as a house, we're, we're right. saying it's um, got some some value. How how does it compare to Credit Corp? Do you do you weigh them up yeah, similarly? I, I think the, I think the incumbency of Credit Corp gives them you know a lot more cachet, doesn't it, James? I think that the the story around um, that the 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 longer standing business, the longer track record, I think you'd have to you know lean towards Credit Corp in almost every time I would have thought. Right. Me. But okay. if I'm weighing up the two stocks, but but right. still got to buy on the stock and That's it's, a it's an interesting business. Interesting that your um, uh, your research department is following it at the moment because it hasn't been going for that long. Not not long. So it was <coughs> one, it was one we brought to market through an, right. an IPO back in December. Seems like a, an age ago now, doesn't yeah, it? That's right. <laughs> uh, but um, but but certainly, um, you know, having seen management present a couple of times, they're they're, they're quite quite capable, and um, our analyst quite likes it. Yep. Um, and James, with with Credit Corp, it's about even at the moment, just a, above fifteen bucks. It's come down from a peak of over over twenty one in um, in June. So. Lovely good on a pullback. Lovely opportunity. Right. Okay. So you'd be buying Credit Corp. At, this level yeah, very at, happy the, at this stage, okay. Um, there's really good suggestions for you. Thank you for that, um, for putting that through, uh, Jaden. So money me, um, a yes from from John. Uh, James prefers um, credit. A no from James. He prefers credit corp, but John likes credit corp as well because it's the uh, it's the incumbent in the market. Um, our final suggestion is um, uh, basically an ETF. Uh, John, this is a suggestion from Michael, the beta shares hybrid. Yeah, interesting. I think in terms of the, the ETFs that are offering some of these exposures to credit products, I think you know, I'd be really looking back at the, the underlying rather than buying something like an ETF in this space. Um, although we do look at something called the, the bonds ETF, right. which we quite so like. So what does this one do? Uh, the active, uh, uh, beta shares active hybrids. So I think this is a business that's investing back in the, the hybrid stocks listed here. Right. So the, yeah. the, the 
the, the bank hybrids, for instance, and some of the others yep. as well. So okay. um, I think I'd really rather buy the underlying, I think, from my perspective for clients. Right. Um, and I feel more comfortable around, you know, having that pure exposure. Right. Okay. James? It's an underlying, it's a hybrid, um, it's an ETF <laughs> that invests in a diversified range of hybrids. Most of them are the bank hybrids. Um, it's the big part of the portfolio. It's yielding three percent. It's substantial. So, so they don't go into the shares of the banks. No, no, no. They're right. buying the you know CBAPFs and the right. you know, WBCPDs and all of that right. lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is safe. It is dull. Um, it is um, a better yield than you're going to get in in a cash trust or in a or in a term deposit. Um, it's John mentioned going directly into the hybrids. I'm comfortable with that, but yeah. for some people, if they prefer to have some diversification, it's a really inexpensive and effective way to diversify. Um, it's not something that is going to make your fortune, yeah. uh, but if you're looking for a really reliable uh, income stream and you're not concerned about the outlook for the banks, it's fine. It's right. not for me. It depends what sort yeah. of investor you are, Michael. Yeah. Okay, so for investors who, you know, Yes, it's probably better to go into into the direct stocks if you have the advice to do it and you team up with a good broker and, and you get the good research. But say for somebody who goes, right, I need exposure to the banks. 10% of my portfolio should go into banks. I have no idea who to put it into. Um, do I buy an ETF because I don't like banks or don't follow them closely? I prefer to, to look elsewhere, but this will give me the exposure. Is that is that the way you look at ETFs? It probably depends what sort of investor you are, David. I think yeah. in terms of what, what sort of style you, you've got, whether you want to be more active or you want to be a bit more hands-off. So ETFs, yeah. of course, can give you some wonderful exposures and some wonderful diversification across lots of different sectors, not just the hybrids and the banks and the yeah. financials, but yeah. it's really what you want out of the portfolio and how you want to have it constructed, I think, is, is, is part of the answer to the question. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't have all ETFs in client portfolios, for instance. I'd probably look at something like you know, the international ones where right. you can not you can get a decent spread of um, S&P yeah. 500, for instance, or the yeah. European index. Yeah. It's not your problem by Europe at the moment. How do you approach ETFs? Oh, it's the yeah, same right. thing. It depends what sort of investor you are. If you want to be investing in um, you know, the NASDAQ um, yeah. and or the S&P 500, you're going to get an average return of that over time, and that's fine. Yep. Um, some people want to try and... Um, outperform markets or to have their investments targeted for a particular, whatever their own particular yep. goal is. Yep. Uh, but if you want a really hands-off investment, let's say you, um, you, know, you just don't understand it, you're not confident or you're putting some money away for a kid or a grandkid, it's a fantastic way to do it. And the, the companies behind these ETFs have been quite innovative in um, targeting their product to, uh, to different markets. So if you want a, quite a specific uh, market, you can. Full credit to the boys for doing that. Sure. But they are, um, it depends what sort of investor you are. Okay. All right. Uh, there you go, Michael. Really good analysis there. Appreciate everybody with their with their 10 stocks today. Uh, we're about to start earnings season um, pretty soon on the markets. Mm. Um, really, I'm sensing some uncertainty about the earnings uh, in some quarters there even some fear for the uh, for the earnings season complete uncertainty and how can yep. you have any certainty with such an extraordinary time that we're, we're living in my guess is the market will be um, pretty forgiving and right. we'll look through what will be some horrific results on the face of it and um, concentrate not so much on 20 21 earnings, but 21, 22 earnings, right. for, and, and then trying to get a value, a value for a company, you know, sort of 12 to 24 months out, rather than what's happened in the last six months. Yeah. My guess is the market will be forgiving and that any CEO, CFO worth their salt will be looking behind, you know, all their doors <laughs> and finding every stinking dog turd they can to throw into the result. And blame uh, it on COVID. Well, yep. you know, why not? If yep. the market's going to be forgiving, you can yep. really sort of have a bit of a clean out and, um, yep. and, and rebase. So are you going to, is it important when companies come out, uh, the outlook? 
is that absolutely is that way Out, more outlook important statements, than the outlook statements are numbers? generally more important than, yeah. than than the numbers in terms of the direction of the share price because analysts are pretty good at forecasting what companies are going to do yeah. so it really is about what they're going to do that's what the market's pricing in yeah. unless you get a particular shock either positive or negative shock yeah. uh, but i think that um that it's it's all about two things one is outlook statements and the other is survival in some sectors it's going to be really really tough and mm. uh, you know if you've got a company that you've got any concerns about its survival you, know, you probably yeah. just don't want to be there yep. Uh, yep. but if you've got a reasonable confidence that they're going to get through this because we don't know how long it's mm. going to take um, and, uh, and and the, let's say sort of from 21 22 financial year you've got confidence that earnings are going to be rising um, you know you look at historic valuations for two years out and use yeah. that rather yeah. than what the market normally does which is one yeah. year out okay John what are you expecting from from earnings are you are you fearful of the earnings season and the impact it will have on the market well I think to some extent it's been baked in to you know with the price action we've seen in markets already, David. I, yeah. think, I think investors look back on these June 30 numbers and be a bit like the scarecrow to them, really, won't it? I mean, <laughs> it's going to be something that, that they don't want to look at and run, yeah. run away from. So there is the expectation, of course, companies got to December. We, we knew what was sort of happening in February. We know what's happened in the last several months, of yeah. course. And this, this is going to be a very difficult half for a lot of companies. Yeah. Not the iron ore miners, of course, because they've had a terrific period. So you'd expect to see some really good numbers when they do those quarterlies and, of course, the financial numbers too. Yeah. So. Investors are very forgiving. They've looked. They'll look through these numbers and look forward, as James rightly says, to okay. FY21. So you don't see a big crash coming on the result of earnings. Sort of. So some of the the naysayers are going. You just wait until the reality of these earnings come out. Who's going to surprise? Then, yeah. Yeah. Who's yeah. going to surprise? Yeah. If, you know, we all know it's going to be dreadful. If, yeah. if you're in a Qantas, for instance, or a Webjet or a flight centre, you know that they've had a terrible, terrible yeah. period. So yeah. when the numbers get printed, you're not going to be thinking, yeah. "I didn't see that coming." Yeah. Interesting. Gents, thank you so much for your time. James Rosenberg from EL and C Beatty. James, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Happy riding, safe riding. Thank Avoid you. pee platers <laughs> on the bike going home. John Milroy from Ords. Good to see you. Thanks, David. Uh, just to recap on the final five stocks um, that you suggested, IAG, a yes from both, both John and James. Uh, they like QBE as well. Uh, Freehill, Freehill Mining, a no, uh, too small. Um, and um, so when you have operations overseas and, and you're a small company, it can be hard to manage. Tesserand, a no. Uh, Money Me, a yes from John, a no from James. We're both like uh, Credit Corp and the Peter Shares Hybrid. If you know, that's what you want, those ETFs, well, then worth a look, but it is pretty boring. Uh, now, if you want to send any... Um, any suggestions for us to cover here at the call? Any stocks that you'd like an opinion on? You can email your suggestions to the call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter using the Osbiz TV um, hashtag there or handle. And if you're looking for new investments, then tune in at 2 p.m. for the Startup Daily Hour. Each day, the team will bring you startups that are searching for capital. One such platform today is good on you. Uh, Chief Executive Gordon Renouf joins us to tell us more about that opportunity. That's coming up at 2.15 this afternoon on the Startup Daily Show. I'll see you tomorrow, same time, just after midday Eastern for another episode of The Call. See you then. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.